When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed, cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said, my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins. And this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, this is Let's Talk About Myths, baby. And I am Liv, here with something very special for you. As I mentioned last week, I can't release a new episode this week because I'm going to be at Fan Expo, or when this airs, I already have been at Fan Expo, and frankly, I had two days off to prepare literally everything. So anyway, I don't need to explain it to you. The point is, I don't have anything new, but I wanted to give you something, and it was just Valentine's Day, so I thought, why not re-air 
the two Valentine's Day special episodes that I've done over the past two years of this podcast. So I'm about to give you both the bonus episode I released last year on Plato's theory of soulmates, which is such a fun story slash actual proposal by the philosopher Plato, and also the story of Pyramus and Thisbe, which appears in my beloved Ovid and which was the inspiration for the very one and only Romeo and Juliet. So thank you. Enjoy these two older episodes combined into one fun masterpiece of love and Valentine's Day nonsense. I'll be back next week with more of the Aeneid. The concept of soulmates comes not from a Greek tragedian, nor Homer, or really anyone of myth fame. It comes from Plato, the philosopher, and his work called The Symposium. This basically results in its having kind of flown on pretty under the radar, simply because it's not the most exciting thing to read for fun, so I'm here to sort it out for you. In The Symposium, Plato composes conversations between famous people of his time on the topic of love and eroticism and where they discuss philosophical concepts between them. This is all written by Plato, but he liked to pose his theories through the voices of others. If you're going to talk ancient philosophy, it's a pretty interesting way to learn it, honestly. As if these people were just having an incredibly insightful and fascinating conversation. So? Bonus episode, The Weirdly Wonderful Origin Story of Soulmates. The concept of soulmates in the symposium is posed by Aristophanes. Aristophanes, you may remember, was a comedic playwright of Athens. He wrote the piece of art that is the Lysistrata. So, you know, generally we love Aristophanes. He's speaking with a number of men. The symposium takes place at a party of smart men in Athens. They've had some drinks, and they're talking love and sex. Aristophanes believes that humans have failed to understand the importance of love and its impact on, well, everything. He poses this about the concept, and as a result, about Eros himself. The two are linked in their world. Eros is love, and to Aristophanes, people just didn't understand Eros, or if they did, there would be the most dramatic and impressive temples to him everywhere. If people understood the importance of love, Eros would be the god to praise and worship. This inability to grasp the power of Eros, Aristophanes says, comes from the origin of our human nature, something in our past that makes us unable to comprehend it. In our past, he says, humans were a different breed entirely. Long ago, there were three genders, male, female, and a combination of the two, androgyny. But also then, humans were a different creature, round and double-sided. Humans had four arms, four legs, two sets of genitals, and two faces. We were doubles. Some were double female, some double male, some one of each. And the three genders of this time, Aristophanes says, come from what they were modeled off of. You see, men were modeled off the sun, women the earth, and the combined gender, the moon as the moon itself, they believe, was a combination of the sun and the earth. 
but these humans were too powerful. And they had guts. They invaded Mount Olympus, and the gods were threatened by their power. It couldn't stand. But they couldn't be destroyed entirely. Then the gods would lose the honors and the sacrifices and all the goodies that come from the humans that worship them. Who could intentionally lose that? Certainly not Zeus. So he had to come up with another plan. Another way of dealing with the power these humans had. So he split them. Zeus cut these humans in half. This, he imagined, would make them half as powerful and twice as helpful. There would be twice as many people to sacrifice to and worship the gods. The gods are a hint selfish, if you hadn't gathered. And so Zeus cut everyone in half. He had Apollo's help in putting them back together. Apollo wrapped the halves around so they would meet in the middle, joining down the center of the newly formed human bodies. He healed the wounds up and left only the navel as a reminder of the wounds they had once. So, yes, according to this, our bodies were yanked together by the gods and sewn up. Truly pleasant ideas these Greeks came up with. Couldn't love them more. Speaking of beautiful ideas, here's a better one. Zeus, we're told, also did these new humans a favor and moved their genitals to the front of their bodies. You see, prior to this, they'd been on our backs, and procreation wasn't done with each other, but by fucking the earth with your back. If I could make the sound of a chef's kiss into the microphone right now and have it not just sound like a noise, I would. These humans, though, cut in half and sewn back up, were now missing a part of themselves. They'd once been whole and now they're split. And so they spend all their time looking for, quite literally, their other half. Importantly, in this description of our search for our other halves, there's no talk about which gender should be looking for which. Aristophanes explains that if you were cut in half from the original double male gender, you'd be looking for your other half in another man, and vice versa with women. It's this combined gender, the third, where one gender would be looking for the other half in the opposite gender. So, the next time you're in the company of a homophobe, you might tell them that the original concept of soulmates explicitly notes homosexual people looking for their soulmate in the same gender. You might even throw in that it's explicitly said here that gay men are, in fact, the best and the bravest, because they were cut from a double man. Now, I won't go into the sexism inherent in that because, well, I like how LGBTQ-friendly it is. When a person finds their other half, their soulmate, they never want to be apart from that person. They can't imagine being separated. And we're told they couldn't tell you why. There's no definable reason why everything is better when the other person is there. It just is. Love is, simply, what it means to be looking for your other half. It's the, quote, desire and pursuit of wholeness. Plus, a bonus, the way we are now could still be cut down further. If we don't properly revere and sacrifice to the gods, so get on that, because any moment now, Zeus could decide we're no longer of use to him as we are, and he could cut us further into half so that we're more like the reliefs carved into the friezes of the Acropolis. 2D. So you better be good to him. This story comes from our Roman friend Ovid's work, Metamorphoses. Mini-myth. 
Pyramus and Thisbe, the OG star-crossed lovers. Pyramus and Thisbe lived in the city of Babylon, and so this myth comes from Mesopotamia, what is now Iraq. They each lived with their families, and those families lived in two houses that were next door to one another, and that shared a wall. Ovid says that if you looked all over the east, you'd never find a more charming girl than Thisbe, or a handsomer boy than Pyramus. She's got a great personality, and he's hot. This particular combo is kind of refreshing. The kids met because, well, they lived next door and shared a wall. And they did what teenagers are wont to do. They fell in love. Like, truly madly deeply love, head over heels. There's another couple we could relate them to, but that would be a bit too anachronistic, given the circumstances. The point is, they were in love. They fell so in love that they wanted to get married. But when they told their parents, both sets forbade it. According to the Wikipedia entry on this, they were forbidden because of their family's rivalry. But I can't find anything like that in the actual story, so it's possible that that tidbit grew more off of Shakespeare than the original myth. In the myth, the parents forbade it, but there isn't a clear reason why. Since kids got married all the time back then, you can't exactly chalk it up to age. Something else was there. As teenagers do, they didn't accept their parents' response on their proposed wedding. Now, back to these houses that shared a wall. This wall had one thin crack, and it had formed when the houses were first built, and no one had ever patched it up. That was because, until this point, no one had ever noticed the crack. These two crazy kids and their passion, they found it. They found it because they could use this crack to whisper to each other about their love. They talked to each other through this wall endlessly. They even begged it to open a little wider so that they could kiss through it. But they couldn't appeal to the solid wall's romantic side, and so nothing came from this request. But eventually, after many days of this, through the wall, they made a plan. They would sneak out in the middle of the night, and they would meet up at a nearby tomb, because romance. There they would hide in darkness by a mulberry tree which was close to a spring, the tree was covered in small white berries. Thisbe arrived at the tree first, and she waited in the dark for Pyramus. But before he could arrive, a lioness, having just killed an ox, blood dripping from her mouth, came to the spring to take a drink. Thisbe spots the lioness and quickly makes it to a safe hiding spot away from the tree and the stream, but she flees so fast her shawl falls from her shoulders, and the lioness rips it to shreds with her bloody mouth. Of course, shortly after this, Pyramus arrives at the spot where they were to meet. He sees the lioness's tracks, and he finds the bloody shawl, and he assumes that this lioness has killed Thisbe. He cries over her death, yells out his guilt to the sky, as young lovers do. He blames himself. He says that she was much more worthy to live than he was. And so he pulls his dagger out, and he stabs himself in the chest. And then Ovid proceeds to recount quite the bloody and graphic scene. Quote, The blood leaped high, it spouted like a broken leaden pipe. 
that through a slender hole where it is worn sends out a long and hissing stream as jets of water cleave the air. This blood, this spurting, spraying blood from Pyramus's wound, hits the mulberry tree above, and the berries that were white just a moment ago are blood-stained, and the blood seeps into the roots of the tree, making the future berries of the mulberry grow to a deep purple. Moments later, Thisbe returns to find the tree bloodied, and below it, Pyramus is writhing around, blood pouring from his wounds as he dies. She mourns, tearing her hair and crying over him, and briefly he opens his eyes and he sees her before he closes them for the last time. Then Thisbe notices her bloodied shawl and his own dagger, and she realizes he did it to himself. And so, she says, if he died by his own hand for the grief of me, I'll do the same. She calls out to the mulberry tree, asking it to keep the berries that dark purple color as a memoriam to the couple. And then she stabs herself with Pyramus's dagger. When the Taliban banned music in Afghanistan, millions were plunged into silence. Radios were smashed. Cassettes burned. You could be beaten or jailed or killed for breaking the rules. And yet, Afghans did it anyway. This is the story of how a group of people brought music back to Afghanistan by creating their own version of American Idol. The danger they endured. They said my head should be cut off. The joy they brought to the nation. You're free completely. No one is there to destroy you. I'm John Legend. Listen to Afghan Star on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A new season of Bridgerton is here. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabrielle Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for the eligible bachelor? Meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix. Then... Fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to catch a new episode every Thursday. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. 
with the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.